I invite you to remain standing either in body or spirit as we hear our gospel lesson this morning, which comes to us from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 51 to 56. Luke writes, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for his arrival, but they did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Today we begin our Lenten series, Journeying with Jesus. And over the next six weeks, we'll be looking at some of the invaluable lessons the disciples learn from being with Jesus. We will examine how these lessons reveal what the kingdom of God is about and how these same lessons should become the guides and the principles for how we live our lives each day. You see, church, this is important. It's important because if we say that we are Jesus, if we say that Jesus Christ is our Lord, then we are to walk like him, talk like him. Our way of being in the world is supposed to reflect Christ and his teachings. For the goal of discipleship is Christ-likeness. When we say that we are disciples of Jesus Christ, we are basically saying we are moving towards becoming like him. This then means that we are to live as how Jesus lived. We are to model his way of life. We are to obey and follow his teachings. Now, while we have never had the real-life experience of walking with Jesus, seeing the things he did or hearing the teachings firsthand like his disciples, we still have the opportunity through the stories recounted in the Gospels to guide us so we can live faithfully as disciples of Christ. In our reading this morning, we hear an incident in which James and John, two of the disciples, got carried away in their zeal to defend Jesus' honor, or probably more so to defend their own pride when they felt insulted. Insult, the biggest threat to human pride, and not surprisingly, to human relationships. An insult to a person, especially to one who is proud, is like a pin that pricked the balloon or the rain that falls on the parade. Relationships have been broken because of insults. Lives have been lost because of insults. Now, I think I can rightly assume that if I were to ask for a show of hands of persons who like to be insulted, no one would raise a hand. And if one of you did, the whole church would be looking at you like you're crazy. Because I have not met yet anyone as yet who says, I like to be insulted or I like to be offended. There are even some persons who refuse to let go of what they perceive to be an insult. 
There are persons who have to settle the score. They have to get even. The story is told of two prominent men of England who were members of an exclusive club. And a few months earlier, they had gotten into an altercation which severed, severed their relationship. At the club's New Year's Eve party, one of the mutual friends of both men said to one of the men, come on guys, you've got to do better. Go over and speak to John. And the man who was told to go and speak to John said, okay. And he went over to John and said, happy new year, but only one. Ever so often we get to a place where we refuse to mend fences because we believe that we have been insulted. Earlier in the chapter that we heard just read from, we are told that Jesus knew his time had come. And so he set out for Jerusalem. It would have been a long journey, so he needed rest stops in between the village where he was and the actual entry into Jerusalem. And so he sent messengers ahead for them to go and prepare places where he could stop. And when they got to the Samaritan village, the people of the village denied Jesus' entry. Now, there is something to understand why this could have been the case. Not only were the Jews and the Samaritans always at odds, and there were always tension between them, but the Samaritans believed that worship should happen in the northern kingdom on the mountain there, while the Jews believed that worship should happen in Jerusalem in the southern kingdom because that's where Yahweh was. And they had that long-standing tension of where worship should happen. If you've ever heard the story about the, the woman at the well when Jesus was talking to her, she said, you Jews, you worship in Jerusalem, but we worship here on the mountain. There was always this tension about where worship should be. And so when the Jews recognized that Jesus was not necessarily coming to them, but passing through to Jerusalem, they denied him entry. When James and John heard, when they saw what happened, they became infuriated. For them, it was an insult. For them, it was what we would call a slap in the face. And so they were upset. This requires me to ask us the question, what do we do when we're offended by someone? How should we respond? Off the bat, I would say probably not like James and John, but, but how should we respond when someone insults us, when someone offends us? And I think this is where the lesson of Jesus becomes important for us as believers. Now, I must say, I can understand where James and John were coming from. They were protective of Jesus. You see, these men had been walking with Jesus for three and a half years. They had been doing ministry with him. They had been empowered by him to go out and heal and, and to do all the works of ministry. But they also knew that Jesus had suffered insult on more than one occasion. They had heard him being called a drunkard. You know, the people said, oh, he's drinking with the sinners. He's a wine-bibber. They had heard him being called Beelzebub, a son of the devil. They had heard him being called all kinds of names. 
They even knew there was a plot against Jesus. So I can understand them being protective of Jesus. I can understand them being a little bit mindful of what people say about the master they have been, they have attached themselves to, the one they have been following. And this may have been the, law, the last straw for them. Nevertheless, to what extreme would they go to protect Jesus' honor? You see, they had witnessed his life and ministry. They had witnessed that Jesus was one who healed that which was wounded. He was one that restored that which was broken. They knew his testimony that he came to set free those who had been held captive, to give sight to the blind, to restore and to give, give good health to the brokenhearted. They knew his ministry. They knew even among the people who would not welcome him as he walked through the towns, he was still healing and, and, and making well those who were sick, casting out demons, restoring sight to the blind. They saw the ministry and the way that he lived, so they had an example by which they could have followed. So they should have known better, church. So when they saw what happened, James and John turned to Jesus and said, Master, Master, should we call down fire from heaven on them? And scripture tells us that Jesus rebuked them. Now that's a very strong word that Luke used in his gospel. Jesus rebuked them. You see, a rebuke is basically a strong criticism against someone for their action that was inappropriate, a strong a strong criticism against a behavior that was out of place. Jesus rebuked them. And in my imaginative mind, I'm paraphrasing when James and John said, Master, Master, should we call down fire from heaven on them? I can imagine Jesus doing a double take and said, what? James and John, really? Go sit yourself down. Is that what you have learned from me? Come on, do better. Unbelievable. You, you men are something else. Go sit down. Now, he didn't really say that, but I can imagine what Jesus might have said if Jesus, you know, like if I were Jesus, go sit yourself down. I did not teach you that. Jesus rebuked them. You see, church, Jesus came so that we can live in right relationship with God and right relationship with each other. Jesus came so that we can experience the grace of God, so that we can also show grace to others. Through Jesus' coming into the world, we know of God's love for us, and we are told to show the same love to others. Grace. Jesus probably had every right and could have called down fire from heaven on those who denied him, those who did not show him hospitality. But Jesus did not, because that's not what Jesus came for. That was not the reason Jesus came into the world. If you remember from John 3, 16, Jesus himself said, for God so loved the world that God gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes should have eternal life and not perish. Calling down fire from heaven 
would have been a destruction of the people in that village. That was not the mission or the goal of Jesus. The mission was so that we can know grace. Grace, God's unmerited favor. God's goodness that we didn't earn, could never have worked for, but given to us nonetheless. The Apostle Paul says, even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hardly would one die for someone who is righteous, much more for sinners. And I think you and I know that we are sinners, saved by grace. Amen, church? And so if we are sinners saved by grace, and if we have received the grace of God, we too are called to show the grace of God to others. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that pardons and cleanses within. Grace that is greater than all our sins, the songwriter says. Now I know we will experience insults and we will experience offenses. I've said it before, if you drive in Atlanta, you know what I'm talking about. You need grace to drive in Atlanta. We were standing out there earlier this morning when the, the public's marathon was going by and even before we got outside, we heard persons on their horn just going down because the traffic was backed up. They not realizing the police officers were there and runners were going by, but just because of the, the traffic jam, people were on their horns. If you drive in Atlanta, you need grace. But St. Mark, you know what it is to be denied hospitality. You know what it is to be shut out, where persons refuse to grant access because they refuse to acknowledge your full humanity. How should we respond? Should we call down fire from heaven? How should we respond? You know what it is when others have closed the doors in your face saying, not yet. And some even saying, not now, not ever. And it's a hard road to walk. I don't want to mitigate what has happened and what may happen and what we experience day by day. We're human beings and we have our emotions, we have our feelings, we have our hearts. But if we are going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to model his way of life as hard as it may be. That's what we're called to do. As hard as it may be to show grace. To show grace to others even when grace has not been shown to us. Jesus rebuked James and John because they were basically choosing a way that did not reflect the teachings or the ministry or the life of Christ. As we walk through the season of Lent, I'm sure there are going to be occasions where you're going to be tested, where we are going to be tested. There are going to be occasions where we may even feel insulted, like someone has offended us. I challenge you, I challenge all of us, show grace, show grace, because grace covers a multitude of sins. God's grace 
which covers our sins at work in us will help us to forgive others. You see, church, when we get to a place where our pride is bruised and where even the truth of who we are is questioned, we still have to stand on the teachings and, and, and the life of Christ. You see, grace is God's unmerited favor given to us. God's goodness given to us that we did not earn. And we are called to show the same to others. As hard as it may be, as hard as it may be, as hard as it may be. Grace is God's good pleasure. What God inclines to bestow upon us, but not only upon us, but upon each and every person on the face of the earth. If we want to make a change in our world, we've got to be the change that we want to see. If we want to be, if we want the world to be a more loving and a more kind place, if we want the world to be a more gentle place, if we want the world to be a more compassionate place, if we want the world to be a more understanding place, let it start with us. Let it start with the grace that we will show to others. In the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen.